You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, October 6, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our post-game Sunday morning podcast that runs throughout the football season. I would be remiss if I did not begin the show with an announcement of our greatest deal ever. Now is the time to join Bucknuts. We have a special offer, two months of Bucknuts for $1. That's right. Two months of VIP membership for $1. It's our best deal ever. But you need to hurry. The offer ends Monday night. Again, you can't beat this deal. Two months of bug nuts for $1. Go sign up right now. Let's get to the matter at hand. Ohio State beat Michigan State 34-10 at the shoe yesterday evening. I'm going to give you my impressions of that. We will then be joined by Bill Kerlick, Matt Baxendale, and Pat Murphy to put it all in perspective, the game and the recruiting. First, my impressions. I was exchanging emails with Mr. Bucknuts yesterday before the game, and I said I thought it would be 21 nothing after the first quarter, and to tell you the truth, I think it should have been. Forced two early turnovers from Michigan State, and I really thought it would be the means to a blowout. Instead, it was only 3 nothing. And as those first quarter pangs went through me of, uh-oh, here we go, maybe Ohio State isn't what we thought. I also wanted to give out the benefit of the doubt here because really good offensive coaches do an excellent job of making you show your game plan early, running a certain set of plays that make you show that, and then adjusting. So as we went to the second quarter, I kind of was hoping, okay, maybe Day has is reeling them in. And that's certainly what he did. The second quarter was just an offensive explosion. The offensive line, which had been landing body punches for the first quarter, started to open up some holes. J.K. Dobbins, who has just been as consistent as ever, ran beautifully and hard. Justin Fields made a couple of great plays to free himself up. And I don't think he did anything yesterday to damage his Heisman candidacy. As far as the receivers, Ben Victor had a bad drop early, a very bad one that I think may have altered the game a little bit, but came back and made some plays later, including a tremendous touchdown reception. K.J. Hill had an uncharacteristic drop on the sideline that ended a drive, but also had a late catch that extended a drive and, and kind of got back back on his seat. What really jumped out to me, though, is just how talented Justin Fields is and just how uncomfortable I am to see him get hit hard. On his touchdown, Joe Batchy rocked him. That was not fun to watch. Defensively, I was actually more impressed with Brian Lewerke than I thought I'd be. The game went about how I expected. I just didn't think they would be able to consistently move the ball. The linebackers still concern me a little bit. It seems like they struggled to run in space. And tough one didn't have a great game early. Came back with some nice plays. One thing I was very happy to see, though, was Tyreek Smith back on the field. To me, Tyreek Smith is a very important player on this team that we don't talk about enough. I think he's a legitimate edge pass rusher. And when you see the amount of attention that Chase Young is now drawing, there were some plays where he drew three Spartans to block him. The key play at the end of the game to stop a Michigan State drive with Baron Browning's sack off the edge was completely set up by the right tackle, Reed, taking one step inside to try and pop Chase, and it just wasn't enough, so... Overall, I would give the team probably a B plus, A minus. There was a few uncharacteristic mistakes. In general, I would say Ohio State only strengthened their national brand. 
the defense has become such an impressive unit, and especially in light of how they performed last year, I think the credit is ready to go around. It was a very, very positive experience from our couch. Let's see how the recruits liked it. We'll be back in one minute with Bill Curlick. First, a quick commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Who would you want to talk about recruiting if you could have anyone on the earth? On Puff Talks Almost Live right now, we have him. The Dean of Ohio State Recruiting, Bill Curlick, joining us on this fine Sunday morning. Bill... How goes it? Very well. A little bit different in Columbus this morning, and I'm not talking about the Buckeyes. It's actually raining for the first time, I think, uh, all summer, it seems like, and all all fall. But a little bit of rain coming down, but still a bright day in Columbus after a 34-10 win over Michigan State with a uh, obviously big recruiting weekend well underway. We'll get into the recruiting, Bill. We always like to start with your thoughts on the Buckeyes. Big win over Michigan State. Maybe a little bit different than some expected. Your vibes? Well, I thought, as usual, once again, a lot a lot of good things. Um, you know, a little adversity is a good thing. And there was a little inver- adversity in the first quarter, certainly. But, uh, my goodness, uh, the way they turned it up in the second quarter, that's the way you uh, – uh, confront adversity for sure. And, um, uh, the defense, uh, again, good. Maybe not, uh, as spectacular as has it has been, but again, Michigan State's a good football team. And, and to, to get 34 points on a, a team like that, you know, once they hit you in the mouth, which they did at first, I, I think it was impressive. And, uh, again, I, I've mentioned it, it seems like something different every week, you know. Special teams was good this week, too. Yeah, I realize Blake Javier missed that one field goal, but overall, uh, the job that Matt Barnes has done with the special teams has been very good. And, you know, what more can you say? This team is, is just seems like it's on a mission. And the depth, I also would like to mention, you know, uh, Mumford gets hurt, and and uh, they, they don't miss a beat. You know, he obviously came back in, but the offensive line, uh, you know, didn't seem to miss a beat. I, I think the depth is certainly is showing, and that uh, uh, forebodes well for the rest of the season. There can't be a better offensive lineman backup in the country than Joshua Allaby. As comfortable as I am saying Chase Young is the best defensive end, I'm going to go on a limb and think Allaby is the best backup offensive lineman. It's interesting. During the game, somebody, uh, a guy that uh, I consider to have a lot of football knowledge, in fact, a coach, texted me and said something about, oh, boy, uh, Mumford just went down. And I said, yeah, but uh, – uh, Alibi, you know, is coming in and he did a great job last week and he is outstanding and the coach agreed and, and, and well, like you mentioned, Alibi's awful good. Put it this way, Alibi was in there, Munford went back in and the announcers didn't even notice, literally. So that was pretty cool. Obviously, Bill, it was a stage. Um, night games, we've said this a million times, Ohio State loves night games because it gives the kids who played on Friday night the chance to travel. 
Now you put in the fact that it's a marquee opponent, a national television. What did the recruits think? What's your impressions of the weekend so far? Obviously, a lot of the kids are still there. Yeah, it's early, but uh, funny you should ask. I just posted uh, um, this morning um, a, a reaction, a buzz-type piece on a number of recruits that I was in contact with uh, late last night after the game, um, You know, talking about the atmosphere in this shoe last night, talking about Ohio State's play, and as you can imagine, all very positive. You know, uh, the recruits were talking about uh, just what a great atmosphere it was in the stadium last night. Uh, they were impressed with Ohio State's play. The uh, positive impressions ranged everything from the offense to the defense to the special teams was, was mentioned as well. Um, so, you know, the, it's early as far as the recruiting weekend goes in that it's just Sunday morning, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, some of the recruits are still on campus, and uh, ones that aren't, are, uh, there are others that are still here in Columbus, so I have plenty more on it all day long here on Bucknuts, but suffice to say, um, you know, the reactions were, were outstanding. Bill, travel can be a challenge for some kids, especially for Ohio State when they recruit nationally. Who made it? Who are the guys that uh, our Bucknutters can expect updates on from you uh, in the future? Well, uh, Hudson Wolf with tight end, um, who is one of the top tight ends in the country. I'm going to have a feature article on him yet today. Uh, Hunter Wooler, uh, an outstanding safety prospect. I'll have a feature article on him today. Uh, I've already talked to those two. And then I'll be talking to a, a lot of others. Of course, uh, there's guys on official visits this weekend uh, of note. Um, Cavante, Bradford, Julian, uh, Fleming, who's committed to Ohio State, Tyler Barron, um, and then some other guys that uh, are outstanding and key prospects, um, like Troy Stilato as an example. You know, just a really a, a long list of the guys, and um, Bucknuts is going to be all over it today and into Monday and probably into Tuesday for that matter. Bill, a certain quarterback recruit from a school that sounds a lot like Bancho Mukamunga, did he show up? As far as I know, I did not. Ex- uh, I have not actually seen him there. But as far as I know, he was in attendance. Uh, you know, he, uh, I had checked on him uh, late in the week, and he said he would be there. So I assume he was there. Uh, did not actually uh, have any say that uh, anything about him. So. Uh, as far as I know, yes, and and obviously he's a quarterback that Ohio State has their eye on. They would love to have two quarterbacks in this recruiting class, and uh, he's the guy that they've been really looking hard at and targeting um, for the other quarterback spot in the class. I was, of course, referring to C.J. Stroud. Bill, the weekend got started Friday night with some national Buckeye love. Can you bring us up to speed on Jacoby Cowan? Uh, well, uh, a nice addition to the highest state recruiting class. Friday night, he announced right after his game that he is committed to Ohio State. He picked uh, Ohio State over a long list of scholarship offers. He's a uh, six foot six, uh, 262-pound defensive end. Um, you know, a lot of people see him growing into a defensive tackle, but Ohio State has recruited him as a defensive end. And uh, right after his game, Providence Day lost a tough one, 14 to 13, on Friday night. But uh, right after his game, uh, he announced that he's a Buckeye. It was, it was obviously expected. I believe the crystal ball was 100% Ohio State on Jacoby Cowan. But nonetheless, a nice addition. And by the way, he was uh, another one in the stadium on 
Saturday night. He made the trip up from Charlotte, North Carolina, to the Ohio State-Michigan State game last night. All right, Bill. Buckeyes have the week off before a trip to Northwestern on October 18th, Friday night game. What will the coaches be doing recruiting-wise between now and then? Uh, lots of it. Um, you know, this is their chance to go on the road, uh, stop at high schools, um, talk to the high school coaches, uh, you know, make their presence known. Obviously, there'll be uh, a lot of contact on the phone. They're going to finish up this recruiting weekend first, of course. Um, but uh, when this recruiting weekend um, campus-wise is over on Sunday, they will then hit the road. And, uh, you know, what better way for them to hit the road than coming off a huge night game, primetime win in Ohio Stadium, uh, national television, 6-0, and and as one of the top teams in the country and a team that a lot of people feel is the best team in the country, what better way could there be to hit the recruiting road than under those circumstances? They don't call him the dean for nothing. We always appreciate him gracing Bucknuts Almost Live. Bill, have a great Sunday. You too, Dan. Take care. We'll be right back with the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Meep, meep. As promised. Not without some behind-the-scenes difficulties. The people's champ, Matt Baxdell, has joined us. Bax, how goes it? Hey, the Buckeyes won again by more than three scores. What can you ask for, I guess, in the big scheme of things, eh? Why don't you do what you do best on the win over Michigan State at the shoe? Maybe a few hiccups along the way we weren't used to seeing, but in the end, like you said, a, a positive result. Yeah, there was a few nervous moments in the first period, uh, or first quarter, I guess, they they got punched in the mouth, but they punched back, and they ended up, you know, landing a, what essentially was a knockout blow in the second quarter. And I think it was a good thing for the team. Look, that first quarter, the defense made there be no real concerns about this game, right? And th- when this game was a 10-7 to game, and we're all wondering, was this finally going to be the close game we got? OSU goes out and runs off a 24-3 to run to close things out in the in the game. I mean, and the truth is, uh, that's the that's what a good team does whenever they're faced with an opposition who's flawed but good enough to give you a little bit of a challenge. Look, this is a quote-unquote close, tight game. It's a game against a ranked team with a great defense, and Ohio State won by 24 points. So once more, the best second-quarter team in college football went out and dominated the second quarter just like they did against Nebraska. They're averaging like 24 points a, a, a game in the second quarter right now or something insane like that. So are there things that certainly I think are going to be used on film by the coaching staff, especially during this off week? Absolutely. I think the first quarter there was issues on the offensive line. Fields looked a little jumpy, and they really had trouble finding a way to move the ball. There were some bad drops. But then they got it together, and they went out, and they ended up running for 300-plus yards on one of the country's best defenses. Uh, nobody had run for more than 140 on Michigan State this year, and that was an outlier because all the other teams were held under 100 yards. OSU ran for 313 yards. So at the end of the day, uh, Ohio State deserves a ton of credit for a win like this over a team like Michigan State where it, their only loss this year was a game they lost 10-7 to because their offense didn't do much. And I, I think in the end of the day, this is a good win for Ohio State, and they should be holding their heads up very high but there's certainly some things that they know they're going to need to work on before they play Northwestern, who's a very similar team in two weeks. Yeah, I'm starting to think this staff is just a rare combination of coaches at the right times in their career, et cetera. Two things jump out to me. One was the emotional side. 
After Baron Browning got his key sack late, Al Washington and Larry Johnson embraced him. And you could tell, just like we've all watched Baron Browning probably not be what we thought he was to this point, you could tell the emotion and the elation on the sideline for him. I thought that was really encouraging. From a schematic standpoint, the second quarter has been their best quarter so far. So Day is kind of throwing stuff out there to get a sense of where you are defensively. I said on the opening, some coaches are really good at making you play your cards early so they can adjust. Your impressions of the coaching so far? Well, that's that's exactly it. I think we always talked about how you know Ohio State and under Urban Meyer would really come out strong in the second half, and that was when they made their adjustments. Was halftime. Day is making adjustments on the fly, so that's why the second quarter is whenever you're seeing them really take these steps forward. And I don't know if there's been a better play call all year than that RPO touchdown pass to uh, Ben Victor. I mean, Fields ran exactly into what he had to do to get the defense sucked in. He had the ball tucked like he was going to run, and then he shifted it back on the throw, and Victor was wide open. I don't know how you can defend that. Like, that's not even a bad play by Michigan State. That's just one of those ones where you're like, I don't know how you stop that. That could have been Alabama. That could have been Oklahoma. That could have been pick a defense. And Ohio State was going to get a gigantic play out of that because the call was perfect. And that was one of the things, like, with Urban Meyer, like, the way the offense worked, was just that it would grind you and pound you down. There was never any, like, wow, what inspired play calling that was, right? It was, hey, this is a really strong running game. Braxton's going to juke you out of your shoes. Zeke or Carlos are going to run you over. Or JT's going to get three yards on a spread at five wide, burrow up the middle kind of play, right? It was never really the play calling, you know? Even last year, it was, wow, look at Haskins throwing the ball into windows that only NFL quarterbacks can hit. There was never anything that made us really feel like, wow. Like, like back during the Jim Trestle era, like, there are certain plays that we still remember that the play call couldn't have been better, right? Like Michigan 2006, where they ran up quick to the line, snuck Teddy Ginn in, as, uh, lining up in the tight end position, faked the handoff to Beanie, who crushed into the pile, and meanwhile, Teddy just went over the top and boom, touchdown. It could not have been a better play call, right? We didn't really have that a lot. And that's not a knock on Urban. It was just his offense was his offense, and he was going to run it down your throat. Ryan Day is making – Trestle-level inspired play calls back when Sports Illustrated ran an article saying that Jim Trestle was the best play caller in America. And that RPO play for that touchdown to Victor that essentially broke open the offense is a great example of Dave looking at it and going, this is when we run this because this is going to work. And I, I think the staff, like you hit the nail on the head, Dan, this is a staff right now that is at a point where they're working extremely well together. The chemistry is obviously instant. They've got an unbelievable amount of talent at the exact right time as well. And to make things even better, these coaches are all at a spot where they're, they're the young and hungry and innovative guys, right? We've talked in the past about how, you know, at one point in time what Urban Meyer and Rich Rodriguez were doing was the absolute cutting edge of offenses, right? Well, that's where we're at offensively and candidly. Jeff Affley on defense is in the same boat. So right now this coaching staff is an absolute difference maker. And a lot of times in college football, it's more about who the players are versus the coaches. But right now, it's the players and the coaches. And that's what makes Ohio State scary this year. I come out of this game every bit as confident as I was in the team before the game saying, I haven't seen a better team this year in America. And I still feel this way. And you want a comparison? Georgia, who's going to still inexplicably be ranked ahead of Ohio State when the rankings come out today, went to a bad Tennessee team and was losing in the middle of the second half of the second quarter, right? and before they finally put the pedal down and, and got things together. Nobody's going to say that's a bad win for Georgia, even though it was at a 1-4 garbage team. 
Meanwhile, you're going to people who are going to raise an eyebrow about OSU when they're beating a four and two ranked team. And by the way, it should have been worse because of that garbage play where they called that uh, penalty on Baron Browning, which was a normal block. So this OSU team, to me, still through six weeks is the best team I've seen. And yesterday, I think, only confirms it further. And one more thing. I just mentioned Baron Browning. You just mentioned Baron Browning. Every snap that Baron Browning's not on the field in base defense is a mistake by the staff. We just talked about how good these coaches are. Tough cannot be playing over Baron at this point. Browning is a stud. Borland is not at his level. And I know Borland's a leader and all this other fun stuff, but Baron Browning has to be playing. And I haven't come down hard on tough Borland like I know a lot of people have. But last, after last night, it was very clear which player is the better player to have on the field, and it's Baron Browning. It's funny when I watch – it's not funny, but when I watch uh, Borland play and make mistakes, I can hear the front row in the back of my mind. One thing about Browning, too, is I'll say Lewerke made two or three ridiculous throws in the game over Browning, yeah. ones that could frustrate you and feel like make you feel like you're snake bitten. And he came back with that sack, you know, just plays later. So from a mental standpoint, very impressed. Okay, you mentioned Georgia. I think everybody who's an Ohio State fan enjoyed seeing the scroll of them losing to Tennessee as Ohio State was having their early uh, quarter struggles against, if you want to call them that, against Michigan State. Did anything, let's go down some scores here. LSU beat Utah State 42-6 to as Joe Burrow strengthened his Heisman case. Oklahoma struggled early but whipped Kansas 45-20. Florida outlasted Auburn, who I think everybody who knows what they're talking about knew was kind of counterfeit. Wisconsin crushed, Notre Dame crushed, Texas beat West Virginia, Penn State whacked Purdue. What jumped out to you yesterday as even pertains to the Buckeyes down the road? Well, I don't think Auburn and Florida are going to be remotely pertaining to the Buckeyes because I think both of those teams are not that good. They have some athletes on defense. They don't have very much on offense. And both those teams, when they run into the LSUs and Alabamas and Georgias of the world, are in trouble. Um that's not saying that one of those teams won't beat one of those other teams that I just mentioned. Like I could see there being an upset here or there, but I'm not Auburn versus versus Florida was this, Ooh, undefeated top 10 matchup. I don't think either one of those teams is that good. Um, of all the scores yesterday, I think Penn state continuing to beat up on people was very interesting. I'm still not remotely sold on Clifford at quarterback and I don't trust Franklin in big games, but there's no questioning the talent on that team. And, uh, I think that Penn State game is going to be very interesting to watch the next couple weeks because they've got Iowa, they've got the Michigan game coming up. I want to see how that team is because that's going to be a fascinating team. And from a Big Ten perspective, you know who else is worth just keeping an eye on out of the corner of your eye? Minnesota. And before you think I'm nuts or drinking too much of the P.J. Fluck Kool-Aid, Minnesota blew out Illinois yesterday at home to move to 5-0. and Their next three games are home against Nebraska, at Rutgers, and home against Maryland. If they can win those three eminently winnable games, they will be hosting Penn State in November in Minnesota in a potential undefeated versus undefeated matchup. And Minnesota is at the forefront of potentially being Wisconsin's biggest challenger in the Big Ten West because now their November will decide their season because that's when they play Iowa, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Northwestern, so good luck. But just keep in the back of your mind – Minnesota may be making an impact on this whole thing when it's all said and done, which caught my eye. And the last thing that I think is worth talking about from a national perspective is I don't know how you can realistically talk about the Pac-12 having anybody playoff worthy at this point. Washington just got beat by a mediocre Stanford team uh, last night. Cal was shutting out Oregon almost to the end of the third quarter before Oregon won 17-7. to 
Oregon doesn't exactly have much juice, and I think the Pac-12 as a whole, you can write them off safely at this point. I think it's going to be much more interesting to see whether the Big 12 has an argument kind of like in past years where there's a couple one-loss teams because Baylor's quietly playing well. The Texas-Oklahoma this week game this week is going to kind of be a tale of the tape. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Big 12 because I think when you're looking at a big picture thing, we can all write Clemson in and ink because the ACC is garbage, not because Clemson's good. You're going to have an SEC team. I feel even stronger than ever about the Buckeyes being in right now. So the big question is going to be, is it going to be a Big 12 team, a second SEC team? Does Notre Dame get back in the conversation? That's kind of what we're looking at right now. I will say this. I'm really ready for us to start getting into some weeks of college football where we have what seems like big matchups because it hasn't feel like we had a ton so far this year. Max, your groupies would not be satisfied if I didn't get some commentary on Michigan's offensively dominant 10-3 win over Iowa. Best part of that was when Jim Harbaugh, after the game, said he really thought the offense was hitting its stride. <laughs> like, like, he wasn't being facetious. He was being serious. Um, I don't know. If that's their stride, I hope they keep that stride the rest of the year because it's going to be hilarious. And I know the Big Ten was kind of a disaster show of 1980s football yesterday in terms of a lot of low-scoring games. I think Nebraska won like 13-10 to 10 or something. But holy cow, was that Michigan offense – a hilarious joke yesterday. They, like, they, they looked like they were trying to run the 1992 Michigan offense, except those teams could actually run the ball and actually had offensive linemen that could push people back. And before everybody gets all excited that their defense is quote-unquote back, like, that was one of the worst games I've ever seen from Nate Stanley. He's the guy who people were always talking about, oh, he's an NFL quarterback. He was terrible in that game. He had a couple throws that were like Lewerke yesterday where you're like, where did that come from? I didn't think you could do that. But he played more like Brian Lewerke yesterday than Brian Lewerke did. So, yay, and you beat up on Iowa. You showed yourself you were essentially an equal to Iowa, which is about where Michigan is right now. They're Iowa football with more famous helmets in a slightly larger stadium. And that's not a compliment to Iowa football. Iowa football is the same thing it's been since Kirk Ferentz got there outside of a couple years in the early 2000s. Right now, Michigan is staring down the barrel of 8-4 and four because does anybody think they're beating Penn State, Notre Dame, or Ohio State after having watched that team this far? I'm not even convinced they're going to beat Sparty, and that's going to be like a 6-4 to four game because no one's going to be able to move the ball. And that's not because either like, that the Michigan defense is that good. I, I don't – it's going to continue to be ugly up there, and not just with the way that they, they, they lose football games to better teams, but it's not even fun to watch. Like, if you're going to suck, at least lose 65 to 45 or something. That Michigan team literally has zero redeeming qualities, other than how much joy we get at watching them bumble around the field. Yeah, I'm not staffed with the research group to do this, but when was the last Ohio State game that didn't score in the second, third, or fourth quarter? I have a feeling you'd be back to the aughts. We always like to finish with some love from the people's champ. Bax, have a great Sunday. You too, Dan. Thanks for having me. We'll be back in one minute with Patrick Murphy. Meet me. And we're back. He was on assignment in the shoe last night. Pat Murphy joins us on Sunday morning, rested and refreshed, I'm sure. Pat, how goes it? Rested's not quite the word I'd use, but uh, I'm here and I'm ready to go. Give us your impressions of Ohio State's 34-10 to win. You were there. You felt the stadium rock uh, six games in. And I would say of our staffers, you were probably – the last to be on board totally. Where are you right now as uh, Sunday gets started? 
definitely on board. I think this team, um, this was kind of the last thing I wanted to see was Ohio State go up against um, a good defense. And I think Michigan State proved last night that they are a good defense with the way they were able to contain Ohio State, at least early um, in that game. Obviously, those first few drives were something we haven't seen all year. Um, even with short fields, Ohio State wasn't able to move the ball. And uh, credit to Michigan State for that. But Ryan Day and his staff, once again, figure things out after that first quarter. And, you know, Ohio State looked more like itself the rest of the game. Um, you know, Justin Fields didn't have his best game. Obviously, the interception uh, was was uncharacteristic of the throws he's made. He's been very smart with the football. But, you know, still over 200 yards passing, two touchdowns, another one rushing. J.K. Dobbins just keeps on rolling. I mean, another 170-yard rushing game and a score. These receivers are making plays. And the defense is, is – as legitimate as I think you're going to find in the country. And not that Michigan State's offense is anything to write home about, but that Stewart kid, the receiver, I think is one of the big best in the Big Ten. I thought that coming in. And he had a decent game, 68 yards and a touchdown. But, uh, you know, they kept him in check. Lewerke played better than I expected, um, but still nothing nothing fantastic. And they held Michigan State to 67 yards rushing, which is what this defense has really laid its hat – or. Uh, Made its, uh, you know, made its a hallmark this year is stopping the run. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely on board with this team. I think they're, um, you know, certainly one of the top four teams in the country. And and you could talk me into the number one team in the country with the way they're playing right now. And and now they finally have a ranked win. Um, I think the Cincinnati win on Friday will help them down the road. And and you know, as long as they continue to improve and and handle their business, Buckeye fans are are in for big things come the end of the year. I think. When I hit a couple of things you said, they're not necessarily in chronological order. One, the idea that Ohio State's played a weak schedule, it's a relative statement. If you go look at the other teams that are in playoff contention of that group of six, Ohio State's up there in terms of strength of schedule. Heading into the weekend, they were either first or second among the group, so that's just a myth. Secondly, um, I was very impressed with the worky at times. Boy, it's got to be frustrating to root for that guy because – He's a really good athlete, as he showed by getting outside a couple times. He made a few pinpoint throws, and then he just airmails a few. He, I mean, he overthrew a touchdown pass where he just panicked, and uh, he's just so inconsistent, and I, and I can imagine how that is uh, a frustrating guy to root for. Here's what I'm curious about. Was there panic in the press box in the first quarter? I don't know about panic. I think it was... No one was jumping off the bandwagon? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, it was it was everyone expected Ohio State's offense to get tested. You know, we've we've seen Mark D'Antoni even last year when Ohio State came in with Dwayne Haskins and you know, late in the year. Now that was in East Lansing and the weather wasn't great, but you know, they held Dwayne Haskins to his fewest passing yards of the year when he played a full four four quarter game. So this defense always has things cooked up for Ohio State, and I think it was a little surprising that the Buckeyes weren't able to move the ball or get in the end zone. You know, obviously the missed field goal on that second drive after the, the first fumble. Um, all those things were surprising, but, no, I don't think there was any sense of panic. I think everyone understood that, that this was going to be a test, um, and you were going to find out a lot about this Ohio State offense, uh, and, and you did. You know, We saw last week with the – Ohio State defensive staff make adjustments when 
Nebraska went back in time and, and did some things under center. Now it was the Ohio State's offensive staff's turn and, you know, Kevin Wilson and Mike Yersich and these guys. You know, what happens when a defense is, is doing things and you're not moving the ball? And I think they showed, hey, let's calm down. You know, it took a quarter, which is fine. Um, you know, this was a, this was a really good defense. And I think that, you know, when you put up 529 yards of total offense and you put up 323 rushing yards, you prove that you're a really good offense. So um, there's a lot of positives to take from this. There's there's negatives, but Ohio State needed to be tested. They needed to face adversity. And what a time to do it here halfway through the season. You're going into an off week um, before you go to Northwestern. So they've got two weeks now to look at this film and build on things, um, fix any issues they see so that when they get into that second half of the season and they start playing the Wisconsin's, Penn State's of the world, um, you know, they're, they're ready to go. They've, they've fixed some of their tendencies and all that stuff. This might be hard to do, and we'll finish on this. Compare the locker room atmosphere, kind of post-game and the vibe among the team this year compared to the past. I think the kids in the past, at least the last few years, and I love Urban Meyer, make sure everyone knows that, it was just a much more high-stress situation. It just felt like there was a lot more chaos involved, possibly just because Meyer is such a rock star. Give me the impression of the kids today, as opposed to if they would have won this game last year, how you see things have gone. I completely agree with you. I think that these guys are definitely more laid back under Ryan Day, and I think that's just kind of Ryan Day's personality. And some of the guys have talked about this, um, the camaraderie of the team, that, you know, the coaches, I think that starts there. I think they developed a very nice chemistry early on, and it trickles all the way down. Um, you know, the coaching staff has talked about how Ryan Day wants families around. You know, kids are running around in the hallways and, and you know, wives are visiting and whatnot at the Woody Hayes. So it starts at the top and works its way down. Last night, you know, they were very adamant, hey, we didn't play our best game. And it wasn't like last week where – you know, you can say that, but you just blew out with Nebraska on the road. They didn't play their best game, and I think they knew that, but I think they also realized, you know, we 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 still won by 24 points, and that's something to, to be excited about. And while Urban Meyer always said, you know, we're going to celebrate the wins, it was always a very business-like approach each week, and you could always sense that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you can win both ways. But I do think this team is is having a lot of fun playing football right now um the players are loose and you know i think that plays into when you get get into a game and you know it's three to zero after the first quarter when you've been running all over teams hey we're gonna we're gonna be fine we're gonna be fine these you know these guys trust each other they trust the coaches so i think it's a really good atmosphere right now in this ohio state program in the locker room um and you know i think that's only a positive going forward as as you know they face tougher tests and, you know, they have to go through other th- other games where, hey, maybe something doesn't go right for the offense or for the defense or whatever. Just a lot of confidence right now. Um, these guys are having fun, like I said. We appreciate Pat stopping by. I'll finish with this. It does seem like the team has taken on Ryan Day's authentic personality. Anybody who worried that there would be a hangover effect from Urban and, and the Buckeyes trying to find their identity, you have six games of evidence that that's not the case and a lot to look forward to for the rest of the season. We had some great guests. We hope everybody enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to Bucknuts Almost Live. Have a great Sunday, Bucknutters. <laughs>